0: This week, taking a wide sweep from Poland to China, we understand why dictators love town squares and how these very squares become the sites of their destruction. April 15, 1989. Chinese newscasters report the death of Hu Yaobang, a popular, open-minded, former Communist Party leader who had been driven from power by hardliners. After four days, students from the Central Academy of Fine Arts, China's top art school, brought a portrait of Hu to Tiananmen Square. Those who mourned delivered impassioned speeches and proclaimed that this was an occasion to consider the future of China. In a country gifted with countless natural and man-made marvels, Tiananmen Square holds a special place. By the mid-19th century, many of China's thinkers strongly felt its past was holding it hostage. The Chinese had lost their edge in science and commerce from being an advanced ancient civilization. Most painful was not being left behind by the West, but by arch-rival Japan. As Mao Zedong came to power, he envisioned a China which would be free from the baggage of the past its philosophy, religion, dress, art, and architecture. Tiananmen Square, as the world knew it, was to be transformed. In November 1958, a major expansion started, which was completed after only 11 months. Chairman Mao wanted to make the square the largest and most spectacular in the world and intended to hold over 500,000 people. By then, two key events in modern Chinese history, the Cultural Revolution and the Great Leap Forward, had already begun taking shape in his mind. However, Tiananmen Square in the summer of 1989 was the scene of protests which would have displeased Mao. On May 20, martial law was declared, and on the night of 3rd June, loudspeakers bled. This This is not the West. West. It is China. China. Soldiers and tanks began a deadly march across Beijing, firing at onlookers and protesters. Amongst this mayhem came the image of a lone Chinese man holding a polythene bag in front of incoming tanks. The image acquired cult status as the Tank Man, whose identity and future continue to be unknown. The Communist Party did what autocracies do best. The history of the Tiananmen Square movement was removed from the Chinese internet, and it was forbidden to teach it in school. In 2015, I found myself standing in Tiananmen Square, and people milled about families taking kids in strollers, university students whiling away time the way only young people can, and scattered tourists taking in the enormousness of the place. Nothing remained of the massacre, neither physical or mental remnants decorated the square. Despite being a public place, the entire square did not have a tree or a bench. It was not a place for rest or reflection, lest dangerous thoughts enter the minds of citizens. Thousands of miles away from China, In Krakow, the beating heart of Poland, lies Rynik Glauny, or the Grand Market. It's the central square of the city and has been the most important center of commerce and exchange since its construction in the mid-13th century. Kings and princes marched through the Grand Market on their way to the Wawel Castle. It houses the St. Mary's Basilica Church, and around it lies the Jagiellonian University. It was never a political place, for it was a center of trade. Everyone from Jews, Armenians, Tatars, Czechs, and Germans traded here. The other good which was hotly traded in the grand market was ideas. The cafes were hotspots for students, intellectuals, and writers. In the middle of the square is the statue of Adam Mikiewicz, Poland's national poet. That statue, that symbol of Polish culture, was the first thing the Nazis destroyed when they marched into Krakow in 1939. Their goal was to destroy Polish culture. The grand market became Adolf Hitler Platz. On the first anniversary of the invasion, a military parade was held in his honor. Joseph Goebbels arrived in an open black car. Soldiers marched in ranks. Swastikas hung all around the perimeter. Eventually, when the Nazis were defeated, the flags were burnt and the remains of the Mikwitz statue were found in a Hamburg scrap heap. The Polish People's Republic was established, but the Communists saw Krakow as the enemy city, one that once housed the kings and nobles. They went on to set up Huta, a vast steel mill and one of the largest socialist realist settlements with brutalist architecture. The Grand Market became the place of political jokes and innuendo. Anyone and everyone who disliked the government found their way to the Grand Market. It continued to remain the heart of trade and commerce. The Central Square, the Avenue of Roses of the Communist Nova Huta became the central place of the government. It featured a nationally known statue of Vladimir Lenin and wheeled on April 28, 1973. The bronze monument was pulled down in 1989 by the city, as a result of numerous protests by local citizens. Several thousand onlookers came to watch the dismantling. As the Iron Curtain fell, the Grand Market experienced the transition from communism to capitalism and from Cold War to weary peace. World over, dictators and autocrats love town squares. It becomes the place where they have their shows of strength. From their pulpits, they propound a dangerous version of nationalism. They punish their enemies and make a spectacle of crushing resistance. Soldiers march to the square, dissidents are dragged out, and there is enough space for onlookers. When they find the most important cities too small for their grand plans, they build entirely new nonsensical cities. Take the example of Naypyidaw, the new capital of Myanmar. On November 6, 2006, more than 12,000 troops marched in the new capital in its first public event, a massive military parade to mark Armed Forces Day, the anniversary of Burma's 1945 revolution against the Japanese occupation. Or the city of Ashgabat, the capital of Turkmenistan, which is home to the Independence Square. The square is, however, devoid of people and accessible only to the government. It remains practically empty. They place police and soldiers to ensure nobody loiters. Kazakhstan relocated his seat of power to Astana, a capital deep in the Kazakh steppe, filled with futuristic architecture to dazzle visitors. Russian President Vladimir Putin looked to the past for inspiration. In 2008, he revived the Soviet tradition of massive military parades in Moscow's Red Square to project strength. Saudi authorities use Riyadh's Dira Square to carry out official public beheadings. But what autocrats and dictators forget is that it's these very squares that become their downfall. Tahrir Square in Cairo, Egypt, Taksim Square in Istanbul, Turkey, and Euromaidan in Kyiv, Ukraine have all been central to the fall of autocracies. Ironically, the most authoritarian of governments Build the graveyards of their downfall, one square, one brick at a time. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM Podcast app or IBMPodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am of Memory on Twitter and Vive Travel 42 on Instagram.